Sometimes I thought Bob was trying to get killed. But <laughs> that's why. That's why. Uh, Ella Baker did what she did about sitting around because she said that's what's going to happen. She said, you need to go learn about these white folks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because Bob, uh, he he, you know, his thing was, I'm here for freedom, I believe in it, and I'm going to just do everything. And no. we kept telling him, no, you're not. <laughs> right. <laughs> Welcome to part three of our three-part conversation with Dave Dennis. This is Loki Mulholland, and it's time to get uncomfortable. Yeah, Bob was uh, one of the stories. And in fact, during that same period of time when we were making the decision, we had the uh, freedom. Uh, we used to have those freedom days. So we had a Hattiesburg during that same time when Louis Allen was killed. And so Bob goes, so uh, uh, Coastal and them had come up with this thing about citizens' arrests. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so Bob goes up. So we got all these people going up to register the vote. So they go up there. So Bob goes up there, and the, the, the sheriff and, uh, and what's, Len, what, uh, what's his name is uh, the registrar, this big dude. Uh, and so they were at the place blocked, you know, couldn't let the people up. So Bob walks up there telling them, yeah, you, you under arrest. <laughs> yeah, Bob, Bob was... They say, what are you talking about? He say, I'm, I'm, I'm making a citizen's arrest. You, you, you uh, uh, the uh, stopping the arrest of people to them from the register of some stuff. And so for a minute, they had to share Tony Stump. He's like, 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 what? And all of a sudden, he came to him, wait a minute, I'm the sheriff. He knocked the hell out of Bob. Now I'm the <laughs> We said, Bob, you did this. Bob, Bob, we went out. We went out one. I don't know what we were doing. The whole state of Mississippi. So he, Bob, was with myself and Jesse Harris, and we were both thirsty. So we stopped at this diner, little. I guess it was a diner, a little hole in the wall, to get something to drink. And the guy said to us, uh, "You can have something to drink, but you have to pick it up out around back." So. Bob starts arguing with the guy. We're out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm saying, Bob, you don't know who he's talking to. So let's just forget about getting our drink here and we're going <laughs> to go on down the road. Well, Bob was having none of it. So <laughs> Jesse was looking at him like, have you lost your... <laughs> <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a few of those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, but it, but but on your question about uh, about Levar, I'm trying to give some of the things are coming back to me. Uh, Levar was a little bad kid. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember this. See, yeah, <laughs> I'm beginning things are beginning to come back to me now, Levar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I said the same thing. I guess I was just yeah. You, but I but but I, I you know I did everything I was told, <laughs> and uh, I went on demonstrations. I got people to vote, but yeah. I knew people. But I used to. I guess it came from that I knew both sides of the fence. Because when we came out of Lanier, a lot some of the people were upstanding citizens, and they went on to do whatever they did, and some of them were. You know, bad guys. Mm-hmm. And to us in Mississippi, it didn't make a difference. As long as you weren't picking on me, 
You can carry your knife, your gun, or whatever else you wanted to do, because I understood why you were doing that. So it didn't fit in with a lot of the, the people that came down and came into Mississippi. To me, it made perfect sense. <laughs> you know, I, it, it, I, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> no, you were hanging out with Peacock, too. Look. Yeah. Uh, all the, yeah, see? Right. Yeah, I remember. I'm going to say that. Who, Peacock? Peacock was a great guy. Now, both of them, LeVon, I remember LeVon, they did, they worked. Uh, they did that job, they, you know. Thank you. And, and really, truly is, as I recall, y'all weren't scared of anything. They, they didn't have the fear thing. You were careful. Well, they were young. Yeah, they were young. Uh, but well, there was the other thing was, it's, it's, there's no, there was no, I thought about that. And there was really, I don't ever remember being afraid. I remember being cautious, like after the drink stand or whatever, traveling at night. But once you decided to do it, you couldn't be afraid. I don't know how to explain it. It's like you're at war and you have to you do what you have to do and you worry about, if you spent your time worrying about dying, then you weren't doing anything. You just did what was cautious enough to do, I guess. I, you know, I look back at it and I, some of the stuff that I did, some of the places I w- was in, I shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't have been there when, you know, when stuff happened. But I didn't, I wasn't thinking. Yeah. I was 16 years old. I guess I turned 17 at some point. But uh, I don't know. It just didn't occur to me. I was only afraid once, and that was when the first time I got arrested, and I'd been told all my life, don't get arrested and don't make the police mad at you. And I purposely, I remember was I was with Jimmy Travis. Mm-hmm. And the first time I got arrested was in a, in a drugstore sitting at the counter, which they had told us not to go sit in, and we got arrested. And that was the first time, and I didn't get afraid until they closed the door in the jail. Mm-hmm. And that, that sound, you know, and all, everything just came flooding back. Well, mama told me not to do this, and mm-hmm. don't mess with the white guys, and don't do this. And that was it. From then on, I was, I was, I was not afraid. Yeah, that, 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 that other kid was Gene Young. Remember Gene Young? He's from Lanier, too. Gene Young. Gene Young. They call him Jughead. Uh, with, with Ann Moody. And- yeah, he was be, be with Ann Moody a lot. He was a young kid. He was younger than you, believe it or not. <laughs> I was tough. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was out there when he was 13 years old. He and Mar- this kid, Marvin Wilson. Okay. I and didn't know. Young, okay, yeah. Now, Dave, Dave, did you... Did you ever go on any walks with my mom like LeVon did? Mm-mm. No. Okay. One of those crazy no. walks. There's someone else who did. Well, I think, she, no. I think Joan lived at Freedom House as well. Yeah. Uh, so I was gone then. Yeah. Because I'll be honest with you, I was no way in the world I was going to be close with a white woman in, in Mississippi. Yeah, I mean, well, good people black <laughs> That's one of the things that I did that was not smart. <laughs> So, I was not going to do that. So if Joan came around, as I was probably was hot tail in another direction. <laughs> I'm telling you something. You are the only. I must have been the only one dumb enough. Uh, you probably were. This white woman in Mississippi had to be. Because so was, far, I haven't found anybody else that did it. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm I was not going to be close to any white woman in Mississippi. No, yeah, no, yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. and, and I don't disagree with that. 
I mean, they used to come to the uh, to the uh, COFO office, uh, but I would not go outside. You know, right. that was that. No way. Get in the car with them. No, I would get in somebody else's car. <laughs> and then, and <laughs> probably had your doubts about Diane. Why would? <laughs> oh, Diane. <laughs> I, mean, I I love Diane, but I, yep, I was killed. But I was like, you know. <laughs> I when I first when I when I first got up there to we when we got the co we were doing the COFO reorganizing COFO, and so I went up there and uh, and I got arrested at the uh, in the Clarksdale at night. So the next day I, they gave me out. I go to Ams's houses and sitting up there with Ams's house. first of all, you had the cops all around everything. As I walked in the door, I didn't recognize it was Diane Nash. I thought it was some white woman. I was about to say, "Hey, y'all, what you get this woman out of here?" Yep. <laughs> It was Diane. Is that was when she was married to Bevel, you know? Right, right. Uh, they, but they, they were living in Amps' house there. Right, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the, 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 uh, but no, uh, now uh, when I, I got, I got married later on. I married Maddie, who was from uh, Hattiesburg. Mm-hmm. I remember her. Then so, but she, uh, she got, she knew John well. You know, your mom well. Mm. And stuff is because they were at Tougaloo because uh, she was she went to Tougaloo too, and she went on and graduated. When did your mom graduate from Tougaloo? Sixty-four. Uh, they graduated together. Okay. They went to their classmates together. You know, she about to ask if she knew Maddie. Okay. Uh, Maddie Bivens. Uh, yeah, Maddie Bivens. Okay. She did. Yeah. I think she. Uh, they, I'm quite sure she does. She as well. Oh, yeah. She remembers her. Yeah. Yeah. So they were at Tougaloo together at the same time. I thought it was some. But no, I would, uh, I would have, uh, no, I did not, uh, not in Mississippi. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> if anything makes some white folks mad, man. My worst beating in Mississippi was in Hattiesburg. So these cops, I was being a smart about. So the guy was saying some other fact is, I, I made some comment back that we thought about the races need to take, uh, I mean, they had arrest me for something. And the race has got to stick together, and y'all don't blah blah. You know, it wasn't meant for people to be together. Each other. I say, well, let me tell you something. I say, somewhere down the line, uh, across the line, because uh, all the way through, two black folk. It wasn't just between two black folks who produced a gray hair, <laughs> gray eyed, kinky haired nigga like me. That's what I told him. <laughs> so the cop said, <laughs> he said, well, maybe you should have kept your mama out the street. Whoa. And I said, so okay. I said, oh no, man. I said, you got it all wrong. I said, my mama was, was white. Um, my dad was black. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> they kicked man. my butt, man. I said, yeah, I, <laughs> I, knew, I knew as soon as I finished saying, I said, oh, Lord, I'm screwed up now. <laughs> I should have thought before I said that one. <laughs> You're taking a pause there. <laughs> Protect mama later. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 something about being young and dumb, huh? You're young and dumb, right. That's some uh, dumb. I did some dumb things, you know. Uh, yeah, I did. And uh, civil rights movement days and afterwards and whatever. Yeah, I've done some dumb things. You know, I didn't know you knew David. Baldwin? Oh, yeah, very well. David Baldwin, I have a good, good close friends, yeah. You know, he because he went to live. I knew David as well, but I knew I met him when I was taking his brother home a few times. Because uh-huh. uh, uh, when it, from the, from uh, when he was writing, he uh-huh. also liked to uh, have a taste of them. Then 
And I met, then is he drank scotch like he drank water. <laughs> and I, I ran into David in Amsterdam. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I got to know him because I lived in New York for a long time. Yeah. And I got to know him when I lived in New York. And he just, I thought he just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he went to live in Amsterdam. And my wife and I, she's now my wife, uh-huh. were walking down the street one day and I hear this noise. Levon! And it was David. Yeah. Yeah, dinner with him. And uh, yeah, I didn't know you knew him. Oh, we were very good friends. As I said, the fact is, we were. In fact, I was with uh, and James Baldwin. I knew him very well too. So, I mean, I was with him during a period of times. He, uh, I was consulting with him for in the, on the writing of Blues for Mr. Charlie. I mean, damn. Because he was uh, trying to get the feel for the movement. So, he, if you remember, he spent a lot of time in New Orleans. So, so. Right. I, okay, that's so, right. Okay. Everything is too. And so, we got Jerome. He was very good friends also. So I was with uh, friends, but David, his brother, now I mean, we we just hang up all the time. Wow. When I went to New York and stuff like that, so he would come down to. He came down to Mississippi, but he came down to New Orleans a number of times when uh, when I moved back to New Orleans. Okay. And uh, but uh, no, we were we were very close. So, you know, whenever I went to New York, that's where I stayed at his place with him and all of his cats. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he had a million oh, wow. cats. Yeah, I mean, he had cats. He had a room full of cats. Who did? Know? David did. He had a room oh, full David, of cats yeah. in New York. Yeah, he had all these cats. In. I'm like. But well, he had a thing about the cats. You say, man, have you ever seen him watch a cat make love? You know, because like, <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, this thing about you know, it's, 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 a, it's a lesson you learn. You know, I don't think that's love. <laughs> I don't know. He, he was he was a character. He was a character. We used to hang out at Wells all the time. You know, that's why we hung out. It was said that. Um... That after Goodman, Cheney, and Schwerner were killed, and such, that you you kind of you you grew cynical and skeptical of of the methods and the costs of of Freedom Summer and the Southern Freedom Movement. Let me rephrase that: that I guess the bodies were piling up and the damage that was being done. Um, as you reflect back on it now, how do you you know? Well, I think that it's something that had to be done. You know, and it was a surge forward. Uh, we allowed it to be a surge backwards uh, after that is after the movement days is we fell for the okadoke. And so they this was a systematic uh, process on part of white folks. If you notice that 1964 was the last time that you had majority white males that went for the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, black people and white people just switched parties. And so they all went back to the Republican Party. So white men, males, makes up uh, now, then start, start making up the Republican Party, which they do, which they do now. That's where they are, you know. Yeah. And so the, the system to start off with the fact is, is that I talked about before, if you look at it, is how they systematically went out to the, first of all, was to take away the black family, you know, to split up the, uh, using that. And and which was our stronghold. I mean, that was a strong piece of the of the of the, of the black community was, was the black extended family mm-hmm. infrastructure. And then the next thing they did was just deal with the culture and stuff. Is I mean, you talk about the some of the beliefs and habits and culture black people is became to be associated with stuff called voodoo, whatever you want to call it, and also being too black. So it became anti-American to use the term black. You know, I mean, so, so when you talk about black power, you turn it into violence, you know, not people, not people. 
And then they went after the pieces. Not only that is, they said, okay, let's just take away the economic base and the, black, and the whole structure. So you had what they call urban renewal. And urban renewal was designed to, to really split up the black community and also to kill the black economic base. So you got, if you look at the, uh, these uh, expressways and stuff like that across the country, they run right in the middle of the economic base of the black community. In uh, New Orleans, it's Claiborne Avenue, which is one of the most beautiful streets is the economic base streets in the country. And they put that expressway right in the middle of it and kill all the business, all that, that whole piece here. In North Carolina, it was, uh, it was a little black Wall Street, Austin, Texas, when you have his Tulsa. You know, you look at it. Atlanta, look where the expressways went. You see where the, the killing of the economic base in this country. And all that was by design. And so at the same time as uh, for 1964, uh, we, we integrated. Black people ran across the track to get into a white place. All right, we're going to integrate this place, integration. But white folks didn't integrate and come over to our side. Bob and Pop grocery stores were run out of business by the Piggly Wigglies and Wiggly Pigglies, you know what I mean? In Jackson, Mississippi, they had, I mean, Mississippi, they had, they had this store. One was called, in the black community, it was called Jitney Jungle, you know? In the white community, the same store was called Jitney Premier, you know? <laughs> so the whole thing was split off pieces. So what happened is that they took away your economic base, they took away the your whole culture aspect of it is, I mean, and everything, and, and just away. So right now, you don't have communities anymore. They aren't in the, in the black communities. It's a place where black people live, you know? And so you don't have you know, any kind of base of an economic, the uh, build economic base. Well, not just live, but live and shop and, and everything else. Exactly, you don't have anything there. Right, okay. There's this place where people live. They don't have anything to deal with the community. You know, I mean, you, you actually now, where a lot of black people live, is you, they actually what they call, they have food deserts, because you even have a grocery store there anymore, you know? You know, and so, this has been in the planet for a long time. And so the result is what you got now, you know? Yeah. You know, and so unless we try to figure out how to take it, you know, turn this around, which means back to the grass was organized. It means really back to trying to develop the economic base. It's not too late. Uh, but I mean, we've got to, you know, you got to get busy and, and deal with it because the idea right now to show you how it can work is what this, this administration is getting ready to do is they're getting ready to say, wipe out a whole black communities uh, because of their voting power is and disenfranchise them as a whole. Boom. And they can do this. You know, they actually can do this. Yeah. Huh? Now, when we're saying the current administration, we're talking about the Trump administration. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well. And so you have to figure out, I mean, this is not something, new. I mean, if you look at, if you look at some old, there was a documentary, uh, it's called, uh, uh, what is it? Two Trains Running, I think it was. Uh, and it, 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 it was a story about, it, it was slash about the civil rights movement in the 60s by Ben Hadeen and them. And, uh, and, 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 and then they had the, uh, some, uh, some white guys looking for these blues singers in 1964. The first blues singers that were going to a Newport Jazz Festival at the end of the year. So the big story along, they found the blues at the same time as about, they found the bodies in Mississippi. So they, these two things going on. You got a group of white kids coming in for Freedom Summer. You got these other white kids coming in looking for some blues things. Don't even know the civil rights movement going on. They came down a, a carload of dope and weed and a, and a, and a Volkswagen, right? you know, looking for blues things, right? And it sort of clashes. 
So at any rate, is at the end of this whole thing is, is that there's this thing that somebody does these clips of these uh, uh, white races, George Wallace and all this stuff like this. Is, and after the 64 Civil Rights Act and the 65 uh, Voting Rights Act passing, they were all saying the same thing is, they might get this now, but we're coming back, you know. They got their government right now, but we are coming back, you know. They're saying this. And so what you got, they're back. You know? In fact, they never left. I think we needed something like a Trump to get people to believe that this has been going on all the time. Right. Uh, I think pe if people focused on this didn't just happen. Uh, this was this was set up a long time ago and, and you're right, it's been it's been going on. But you needed people to get hit in the head with it, which is what Trump did, uh, is doing, uh, before they realized what what was happening. But you know, and, and, and let, let me ask the, the the question a lot of listeners would be asking, skeptical white listeners going. Really, I mean, is, I mean, in this day and age, can we really say that there was some sort of methodic plan to to disenfranchise, you know, economically and, and everything else? I mean, because you make this, it's like here goes the roads right through the, you know, through the economic base. I mean, what's what's the motivation to 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 keep running black people down? Power. Yeah, there's power is what you've got going on in the, in the country right now is with the immigration and all that stuff coming up. Black, uh, white males fear is because the fact is their percentage in the population is decreasing, not increasing. Right. So if you continue with the ongoing here is and the black people begin to get power and people of color begin to get power, begin to join together like this, they lose out on this power. This is all about power, right. you know? So... Uh, everybody knows that, that Trump is a jackass. This is not about Trump. It's about all the people who support him. Over 60% of, of, uh, of uh, uh, white males voted for Trump. Over 50% of white people voted for Trump. This yeah. is not just about Trump, you know? Right. So if you look at the system and how it operates and stuff like this, is this is about white power, you know? And so if people got to change this is you got to figure out how those people who care and want to give a, a clean America, how they join together is and talk about what that type of power, you know, what you call about, you know, power righteousness or whatever you want to call it. Right. What right now is what we're looking at is, is a, is a power struggle about uh, really good versus evil. Right. You know? I don't think, I don't think that somebody that a bunch of people sat down years ago and planned uh, for Trump to exist. I don't think the roads were put there for that person, but each time they do something, that, the idea is to cut them off at the pass. So first they do the highways or they do something else before that. Then they decide that they, the fathers can't uh, live in the house with the wife if they're not married. Um, then they decide you can't live in this neighborhood. Then they decide you can't go to this school. Then they decide we're going to keep you from voting again, uh, which is what, what's going on right now. So each, I understand why one would ask a question. Well, this seems like you can't say that somebody planned this. No, not the end game. But each step was designed to take away power. Well, yeah. And that's what they've done. 
Well, and I think, you know, in, I mean, it's that maintaining of that power. I mean, when you think about the roads, for example, the, you know, the highways going through the, you know, the neighborhoods, it's who's asking for those highways. You know, it's, it's an economic base. It's a white economic base going, hey, look, we, we need to get people, you know, our employees to our businesses. We need to get commerce in here and whatever else, but don't put it through my neighborhood. And we have the power to vote for that. And so it's like, well, we got to put it somewhere. Well, just put it right through there. They don't care. Right. Right. And so you, so you, so it ends up being that that inherent bias, that racism that exists there to not even consider, you know, the well-being and you know the welfare of of anyone else but yourself. Pretty much, or right? and so and that continues to feed that. And so now that 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 erosion of that base. I mean, obviously, we look at the war on drugs and so forth, and and well, gee, I mean, obviously, you know, well, white people aren't violent. So I mean, uh, we got to go after crack because black people are violent with crack. Yeah, but they are. So right. that's the thing that they sell the myth that right. they don't do X, and right. they're afraid of, of people of color because they've done so much to them that they're afraid that if they give them power, they're going to do the same thing. Right. Which is why his statement about <laughs> it, it was a black, my the father was black, the mother was white. Brought on a whole. That's why the guy got so angry about that. Well, I think you know. I think you know how white people tend to look at this is going. Well, this is pretty obvious. I mean, you go back to the slavery, you go back to Jim Crow and those sort of things. Okay, well, yeah, I, I can see that. I can understand that because history's hindsight. You can understand the power structure there, but you never see yourself in you know in that game right now, right? No, because you're used. Right. All those people that were out in the street this time. White people, black people, all kinds of people, where uh, they 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 know that they're opposed to more than one black guy getting killed with his with a knee on his neck, mm-hmm. because they suddenly start to realize, wait a minute, we're all we, they're taking advantage of us. All those people that voted for Trump, uh, the young people that that are out there driving the trucks and stuff, he's doing everything possible to hurt them, mm-hmm. but he's not doing one thing. He's leaving them their whiteness. Mm-hmm. And that's what they sell to each other. That's what they hear. Mm-hmm. They don't hear that they don't get medical care. They don't get, they don't, they don't hear that. That's what's happening to them. So they're willing to go through anything to be better than, different than me. Mm-hmm. I'll use me. Right. So, and that's all they know. So now we got radio stations selling that story. We got that's how people vote against their own interests. Right. Because they are different. And the only interest they're sold is you're white. And if you want to, you know, stay in power, you better vote for the people who look right. like you. And they got because and they got nothing. Right. I'm sorry, Dave. You probably had you had something to say there as yourself. No, no, no. I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I've been talking my butt off. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm, you know, we're gonna work this up soon anyway. You know. <laughs> gonna I'm gonna go east. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a little later over there than it is over here. It's only yeah, eight o'clock. Of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I haven't had dinner. Dave, any any last thoughts you want to share? No, I think. Uh, well, I think it's, it's just good to see the bond again. I'm having. I've been following him. I'll see him sometime on uh, uh, Facebook or whatever. But uh, but let's stay in contact with each other, man. I, 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 yeah. I remember you well, Levon. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Is that good or bad? Uh, no, that's, those are stories I share with him when I see him. I talk right. to him. <laughs> <laughs>
all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they start clicking. I said, no, nah, I better not talk about that. We've done fine. It's good. It's good to see you, man. I tell you. I'll be talking. I got to, I think tomorrow I talk to Bob. You know, I'm going to tell him I talk to you. He's yeah, gonna, last time I saw Bob, he was, uh, I went to hear him speak. And uh, we got, we, we talked a little bit. Uh-huh. I didn't understand what he was talking about. But. <laughs> Same Bob, but he's not doing. He's not doing too well physically. Health, health he's not. He's no. been, yeah, he's in pretty bad wow. shape. Is I was. In fact, is I was on the phone with him today. You know, so yeah, yeah I see. I talked to Bob. I, I talked to Hollis quite a bit too. You know, so I get to. I thought but, Hollis. Oh, Hollis. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of Curtis. Uh, I can't think of one without the other. Uh, yeah, they 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 split up a long time ago, though. <laughs> yeah, they did. C- Curtis Muhammad, yeah. Yeah, Curtis. Yep, Curtis Muhammad. Yeah, Curtis is. He Curtis was the one in the car with Joan that I think uh, stopped speaking to her because of that. Do you have my mother's number, Dave? I th- no, no, give it to me again. We were talking today. She said, "Well, well tell myself hello." I mean, she speaks so highly of you. Oh yeah. She's a great person, you know. Uh, I've seen, I've got to know much better mm-hmm. after the movement, but I remember during the movement days, but I didn't get a chance to to spend a lot of time with her. And that was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that. Uh, meetings and stuff. You know? yeah. I think LeBron must have been infatuated with her or something, wanted to go on that walk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was stupid. <laughs> one thing has nothing to do with huh? one thing has nothing to do with the other. Yeah, I could have been just as infatuated without going on that walk. Right, right, right. I, I don't know. Well, a lot of people were infatuated because John was a very attractive person. You know? Absolutely, I remember that. You know, yeah, yeah. And she's very, very attractive. Right. I was a youngster though. She wasn't. Uh, she yeah, wasn't. No, a... yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of people that were, but John wasn't one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's trouble right there. But uh, to wrap up, did you uh, did you ever get that date with Doris Castle? No, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't. We ended up being very very good friends until she died, and she was uh, uh, with very good friends with her and her sister Loretta, you know. And so the whole the whole New Orleans group became like a family. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate yeah, you. thank you. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's good to talk to you. And it's great seeing you again, too. Let's stay in touch, man. I will do that. All righty. Take care now, Dave. You too. And thank you for joining us. And until next time, don't be afraid to get uncomfortable. <laughs>